everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Queue, a brand new podcast by Stonely that looks at the human side of customer support leadership. Customer support is a people business, and leaders who embrace that will build happier teams that lead to happier customers, more revenue, and all around better businesses. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Matt Gilston, the Director of Customer Support at Seven Rooms. In this episode, I talk with Matt about how he uses his background in teaching and coaching youth sports to lead an all-star support team and empower his agents to coach Seven Rooms customers as product experts. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I noticed that you got your degree in physical education, teaching and coaching. Um, I also noticed that you have coached a lot of like youth flag football and basketball. So I'm really curious, how do you bring those teaching and coaching skills to your work as a support leader at Seven Rooms? First of all, I think it's funny the way life works out, right? (laughs) You know, we make plans and, and something else winds up happening. But I do find that there's a lot of correlations and similarities between not only the work required uh, to obtain a physical education degree, sport in general, um, and coaching, whether it be at the youth level all the way up to the adult level. And I think that it all winds up being very applicable uh, in my day to day. And what I always say is it's very interesting how most of the skills that I use day to day to succeed in my job were not learned in the classroom for me. We're learned on the playing field. We're learned coaching, um, the wins, the losses. And I think that 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 really finds its way into everything I do. And so as an example, you know, when you're when you're a player in any sport, you know, you work on your strengths, you work on your weaknesses, you learn camaraderie on on bus rides and, you know, you learn how to work with different people. Some teammates are a lot easier to work with and some teammates are not. You also learn how to deal with coaches people above you. You know, some coaches are great and they help shape the way that you do things and all of your experience. And some of them kind of make your life a little bit tougher. And so I think a lot of that really translates on the journey to where you want to be from the starting point. And so a lot of what I learned in sport taught me how to be a good customer support agent, how to work with people, how to, how to understand where I needed to improve and double down on the strengths. I think that at this point in management, it's very interesting how there's a lot of similarities between coaching youth flag football or basketball and and managing your employees. And that's just because everybody's different. And no matter how they come off, everybody needs some some love and affection in some way. It's just that the skills you use to talk to one person are not always, in in fact, they're probably never going to be the skills you use to speak to another person. Everybody's so different. And I think, you know, in coaching youth, you have to walk this fine line between making the kids happy, but performing, right? You, you, you want to win at the end of the day, but also, you know, managing the parents as well in the sense that every parent thinks that their kid should have the ball. Every parent thinks that their kid needs to start and they have something to say to you at the end of every game, whether you win, lose or tie. And so it's really about managing the three of those. And so what I've found is a lot of, a lot of strength in the, in the individualistic approach that I would take to coaching different kids. And I think that that really applies to to coaching my team and really any team. It's, it's, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice by fitting everything into a box and just saying like, this is how I coach. This is how people learn, right? Everybody's got their own learning styles. I certainly grew up with a, with a different learning style as I was, you know, had a lot of trouble visually. And so I just needed to do, 
Um, and so, you know, when a coach would, would coach me the same way that he coached the next person, it, it may not work for me. And I found that that really has helped me in my approach with coaching my team as well. Okay. Yeah. I love that as I grew up playing a lot of sports too. So I can definitely relate to different teammates, different coaches, parents being involved. <laughs> it's a lot to manage. It really is a lot to manage. And I think that, you know, think about, think about a situation where, you know, five seconds left on the clock, you're taking a shot, you make it, you miss it. You're going to go back to the gym. You're going to work, you're going to keep working. And so that's what helps you build as an individual. And having that experience will also help you really relate to your players. Cause at the end of the day, the, the output of your team is the direct output of, of you as a manager. If your team is performing at a high level, then you are coaching and managing at a high level. And if they're not performing at a high level, then maybe it's time to take a look in the mirror and see where you might be falling short in the coaching and managing department. Um, and I think, you know, every, every player that I coached was different. And, and at the end of the day, there was an experience to give them or, a, or a, a motivating lesson or a challenge, but all those challenges were so different, right? They were never the same. And I keep harping on that, but it's so important. And so what works for one is, is may not work for the next. And I think that that is really what helps me motivate each person is getting, getting to know them as, a, as an employee of mine and really understanding what, what motivates them, right? I don't always want to be the person telling them, okay, you need to do ABC and XYZ um, in order to be successful. I want them to help me understand what they feel success looks like here within given guidelines, of course, of the company and, and the org goals. But, you know, how do you want to be successful here? And I think, I think one of the things that I tell people a lot is, you know, when you join seven rooms, I'm, I'm basically giving you a shovel and you are going to dig your path here. And if you're digging in a different direction, I'll always be here to generally turn you back on your path. But it's so amazing that whatever success you actually achieve in your career here is it's really attributed to you. You are the driver of your success and you'll have all the support along the way. But I mean, how liberating of a feeling is that? And then that goes back to the coaching aspect, right? You put in the hard work, you work on your skills, you show up to play consistently, you're going to get put in the game. And furthermore, you're probably going to succeed in the game because that's what sport does. It shows you that if you practice, you will succeed. And I think that for certain people who grow up not being great at taking tests, sport is, is a wonderful outlet for that. I personally grew up struggling when it came to taking tests and it was very frustrating to me. You know, the, the thought of studying and putting all this time and effort into something and it being defined by this singular number. And if that singular number was not up to par, if it was failing versus passing, it became really hard to see the, the fruits of your labor. You, you'd consider it a failure, you'd consider it a success and it's very black and white. But in sport, much like going to the gym or anything like that, when you can when you can see those results in multiple different ways, right? Maybe you're running faster than you did before, or you have more stamina, or you know you're hitting more shots, or you know there's just so many different ways in which your improvement can come out. That I think for those who generally struggle in school or on tests, it's it's an alternative way uh, to to mark your progress. So I'm curious, tactically, how do you do that as a support leader? How do you kind of facilitate that practice uh, amongst your team? Really driving home data and, and real life examples is, is going to be the key. And I think there's a fine balance between being 100% data driven and really leaving no 
you know, making it very black and white and leaving no area for the, the emotional aspect of managing an employee and being too far on the other side where you, you, you know, think they're doing a great job, but you can't really back it with data. And so finding that perfect balance of creating some type of accountability in the form of metrics, data, you know, making sure that those metrics align with the greater goals of the org and the company, but also being able to pull examples and using that, that in between the lines coaching experience to say, Hey, just wanted to point this out to you. This, this was a phenomenally written response. I listened to this call. You did an amazing job working with this customer. You know, these were the things that I think made it so special. And these are the things that will bring you to the next level. And, you know, that's a bit of a loose, it's a bit of a loose result where they are, they can kind of run in multiple different ways with it, but the underlying portion of that is really just trust. And you're saying like, Hey, look, I trust you to take what I'm telling you right now and to run with it in a, in the right direction. And I'm not telling you that there's a singular direction you can run it. There's multiple directions. You can take this, this positive, you know, outlook on, but I'm trusting you to take one of those directions because I know that that direction is probably what's going to work best for you and in the long term will help you succeed the most. I'm also curious, so earlier you were talking about um, figuring out what motivates uh, your team, both you know on the field and also uh, as a support leader. So again, digging into the, the tactics and the how, um, how do you go about figuring, like if you have a new hire, how do you go about figuring out what motivates that person? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's keeping in close contact with them and, and making sure that they feel supported throughout their onboarding and, and knowing that, you know, you weren't the face that they saw in the interview process and that they're never going to really see you again, or they're going to have to make a, a Herculean effort to get some of your attention, really making them feel supported in that sense. But I think it also has to do with diversifying your talent when you do hire, because each time I do hire, I'm looking for a different skill set. And sometimes I have specific skills in mind that I'm really looking for them to have. But other times, maybe they bring something to the interview that I didn't realize we needed or we were currently lacking. And I think what it ends up creating is this, this really amazing um, like wheel, this, this like well-oiled machine of a lot of supporters that are working towards the same goal, but they all have different strengths and they all have different things they're striving to work on. And they end up leveraging each other. And it's, it's great. I, I, I see it happen now that we're working virtually and, you know, everything during all of this. But, you know, I take a step back and I'll watch, I'll watch these chats go off and, and people are really propping each other up and, and filling in the blanks for each other. And, and it, it gets to the point where it really is self-sustaining because you have built a team of, of A-plus players that all bring something different to the table, but are all learning from each other consistently. And therefore they're sharpening a lot of their skills. Mm -hmm. So how, uh, focusing on that team building aspect. So, um, you know, we've talked about like figuring out what motivates the individual. So how do you kind of scale that to the whole team? How do you, how do you build that, that a plus team? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really about letting the North star metrics guide the way, of course, you know, that's, that's the number one thing, right? Identifying what is going to drive the org, which will then drive the company to, to success. Um, that's, that's really the first thing, but allowing them the emotional freedom to, to come to me and let me know what they might want to do and, and placing a lot of trust in the fact that what they're interested in doing at this point or what they want to do should roll up into the greater goals of the org. 
And so what I often tell employees when they've, when they've earned time out of the queue or, or time to work on projects is, you know, I, I want you to approach me with a list of things that you want to work on. I don't want to be the one to tell you what I think that you should work on because I'm putting you in a box. There are core responsibilities of a support org that everyone knows that, that are just things you have to do in order to keep the org up and running. But outside of that, I feel like I don't really hear much from people that I speak to in the support world about other things that they're doing. And so I always say to them, if you think I'm going to say no to this specific initiative, put it on the list. I want to see what it is. I would like to know what you think will help drive the department forward because I really don't have all the answers and the people that I hire should really help me achieve these greater goals. And so it really does need to be a 50-50 relationship. I don't want to be the one that's talking at everybody all the time or telling them what they need to do because I don't have all the answers and I, and I don't tell everybody that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, like encouraging that kind of personal and professional development, I remember seeing in the, in support driven, um, in the Slack community that you were, you were talking about starting a new initiative where you encourage your employees to take like a half day or a full day, um, to work on projects or professional development. Um, I'm curious, what was kind of the impetus for that and, and what are your goals for it? Yeah, so the impetus was basically that we're, we're really ramping up on projects. We're leveling up in 2021, um, and it really came down to, you know, the work required to get through the day in our, in our support organization, combined with finding appropriate time to actually get out there and work on some of these projects, because these aren't, these aren't you know, one-day projects. These are long-haul projects. I think that's what's exciting people about them. It's, it's no longer just, hey, can you please, you know, turn out this, this Help Center article for us in, in 25 minutes. It's, it's really more in thought and filling in things as we go. And, you know, prior to the pandemic, we had uh, an initiative for, for self-development as well. Um, here in New York City, we had a, a Grow with Google satellite office. And I encouraged everybody to attend at least one Grow with Google class where they got to leave the office, go sit in person in the class. It could be about anything that they ever wanted to know about if Google was offering it and just kind of level up a little bit. And so, you know, what I, what I think was the impetus for this is, is I always preach to them that here at Seven Rooms in general, there's a real opportunity on the support team to grow personally and professionally in lockstep. And I think that a lot of people search a lifetime for a job like that or an opportunity where they don't have a nine to five version of themselves. They're looking towards the weekend where really just they are who they are 24 seven, 365. And I think that's very liberating for the employees because I have found that personal and professional growth here as well, where I am growing as a person as Matt Gilston, and I'm growing as a support leader, Matt Gilston, and I'm gaining valuable experience every minute of every day. And so I don't delineate between the two. I don't get Sunday, Sunday scaries. You know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to a Friday. I solve some pretty cool problems with some of my favorite people in the world. And I do it again every, every day, you know, and so I think for them, it's kind of the same thing. I believe that if they're growing personally, they will also grow professionally. And that's why I'm leaving it up to them, whether they want to grow an individual skill, work on their coding, work on their SQL database querying, or just learn how to motivate or manage better. Because in some way, shape or form, I expect that it will come out in an initiative or in a, in a conversation with a customer, and they will be able to attribute that growth to the things that they chose to learn. And so that's kind of pushing that agenda of growing personally and professionally in lockstep because it is such a beautiful thing when it actually clicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. I can definitely see that like coaching side of you coming out because it's like practice, right? You have to practice every day. 
has to be like a regular, like this growth has to be a regular part of your process in order to improve. So I can see that in, uh, in your kind of beginning this, this new initiative. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, it's really about getting everybody to that level where they, they believe if I can do it, I will do it. And, and, you know, you can see when people unlock different levels in their career here, where you're no longer needing to push them to do something, or you're no longer needing to leave the door open for them. They are taking the bull by the horns and they're running with it. And I think that that's the level that everybody can really achieve because it's, it's available and there's so much opportunity. And I think, I think that's another thing that I've, I've really turned to, especially amidst this pandemic and, and just kind of things, everybody's working so hard and there's so many different initiatives and, and everyone at every company, I think everyone can agree how hard we're all working right now, what the output is and, and the lack of, you know, potential boundaries that, and that's on us, but, you know, sometimes it's really hard to sign off or, or, you know, or just too easy to sign on. Um, but really trying to take all of these changes that are happening and present them as opportunities for growth. I think that is very important because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the time we have to do them because they make sense. They're, they're a part of the business goals, but you know, there are so many opportunities in every change that it's on you as a manager to help your employees realize are available to them because if an employee is, is not seeing an opportunity currently, or they're just not vibing with, with a, with a current avenue for growth, a new change can always bring in an opportunity for different types of growth. And if you're hiring all different people, then that should be a really key catalyst for you presenting more opportunities for growth. Hey, we've got this change coming. I know that it seems like there's a lot of work that's going to be happening because of this, but with a lot of work is also coming a lot of opportunity. And that's a beautiful thing. It's up to you if you really want to seize that opportunity. Hmm. What were some of the, or some examples of changes maybe in the last year that you helped your team channel into growth? Yeah, definitely. So one of the big changes that we made is we're actually offering strategy sessions to our customers now um, from the support side, right? Our support team is driven by knowledge of the product. And so for that, we consider ourselves the product experts. And I always say, you know, how cool is it to think that we are in like the one percentile of, of mastery in the seven rooms product across the world? Because we are an international company. And so of all the people that use seven rooms, you know, this group right here knows the single most about this product out of anybody in the world. And that's, that's a really cool thing. So, you know, we are offering strategy sessions for our customers um, in order to pick a product expert's brain and, and see if we are, you know, maximizing your setup or, or if there's any, you know, crazy thing that you think might be too crazy, you don't know how to actually execute it, who better than to ask but us. And it really involved a lot of process change. You know, we, we, offer, we offer Zoom meetings with them and, you know, we are measuring our customer satisfaction feedback post-call. And so there was a lot of moving parts, but I, I've seen a lot of people really thrive with this change. And so then there's two levels of achievement here. The, the first level is, hey, you're doing a great job with these strategy sessions. You're consistently getting high customer satisfaction scores. People are rebooking with you personally. And then on a higher level, it's like, hey, take a step back. Do you realize how well you've just managed change in general in the last 30 days? Like sometimes we get so caught up in the minuscule details that like a good manager will pull it back and say, hey, look, change is a constant and change is going to happen inside of work and outside of work. It might look different and feel different, but it still is chalked up to change. And if we take a step back for a second, we really realize you did an amazing job just now managing change. 
And if you can do that with these strategy sessions or more work or a different metric, then imagine how well you can probably manage change in other aspects of your life outside of work. And how cool is it to think that you probably at this point won't have to think about managing the change. You'll have managed the change in your personal life. You'll realize it maybe a day later, maybe a month later, but you'll realize that these were some of the skills you learned inside your job that are applying outside of it. Wow, that's awesome. I, I would love to hear a little more about these strategy sessions. So are, is this kind of like something that customers can schedule with your team on demand or do they host them at regular intervals? How does that work? So this is something that they can schedule on demand. Um, we have a, a universal link that will will assign you to a supporter. And you know these are twenty minute bookable sessions, and and we feel that they've done a great a great deal for us as an organization and for our customers in the sense that it's expectation management, right? It is a it is a twenty minute meeting, right? That we are not committing an unknown amount of time. Of course, if you need us, we're always here for that, but. This is really managing expectations on both ends. And we found that it's really been able to shorten up the call. And it's also been able to give us the support team context about what these customers are actually wanting to talk about, which is so important because sometimes half of a call is just familiarizing yourself with their setup or understanding what they're actually looking for. So it's been really great. And you know, we hear about a lot of problems that we may not hear about if we're just kind of putting out a fire on a phone call and we've achieved the final goal. And then they say, thank you, you've unblocked me and they hang up the phone. This is really an open dialogue because they're coming to us to, to have us put our stamp on, on what they're doing or help them improve it in some way, trusting the product expert. And so we are asking different types of qualifying questions that are leading to um, higher level conversations, but are actually leading to very targeted results as well. And so we've seen an amazing adoption of it and the reason that we're so excited is because we have venues that are booking three, four, five, six, seven times, and they're still coming back. And they know that it's a way to get us when they need us, but they also value that short interaction sometimes because they just need us to advise them on something and they can move forward knowing that they're going to book another session with us. So it's been a really great way to do one-to-many support for us. And it's been a really great way to get all of our agents feeling very seasoned with clients from all over the place because we're talking to a ton of people and we're solving a lot of problems, but it also has led to a reduction in talk time on the support line in the sense that, you know, you may have a longer call if you have to gather all the information or, you know, if, if the customer is, is calling and says, I, I really need you to unblock this, but I don't know how to do any of this, right? Like we have an opportunity to send them resources prior to the call if we want. We have an opportunity to send them things as follow-up after the call that they are expecting. And it's, it's been very interesting to see how receptive customers have been to actually filling out our customer satisfaction feedback survey because they've enjoyed the conversation or they have valuable input to give us on how we can improve, right? You're not, you're not just going to get all, all hundred percent there. And so you have to be really ready to take that constructive criticism and run with it and, and understand how you can really improve the next time. Hmm. So it seems like, as you said, your team's kind of moved from, you know, just unblocking uh, and more into coaching almost, coaching and advising your your customers. Yeah, in a way, it's funny, I never actually thought about that, <laughs> um, which is ironic, but yes, it's so true. It's so true, we are we are effective coaches now and it's, it's great. People are looking to improve their craft. There's so much power with the Seven Rooms platform. It is, it is an amazing 
product. And so there's so much you can do. And we want to be the ones to make sure that we leave no stones unturned with you and that you don't go a year without knowing that this thing even existed or, or, you know, we, we just hope that your life in our product will be better off after our strategy sessions than it would be if you never contacted us. Mm -hmm. And I imagine even like, obviously you're helping your customers learn how to use your product better, but knowing that your customers are in the restaurant industry and last year, I mean, was hard, it was really hard and devastating for the restaurant industry. So I imagine it also went a long way to kind of build deeper relationships with these customers and honestly help them survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last year is it, it's been really tough in the hospitality industry for our customers. And I think it's, this is the time to crank up the empathy and to listen even deeper and to have even more patience and to spend extra time on blocking or testing on their behalf because they're really looking to someone who's who's not just a, an owner of the product. They're, they're looking for a confidant. They're looking for someone they can trust. And I think some very strong relationships across the board have been developed during this time because of the level of trust that they've placed in us. And I'd like to think that we've delivered for them. Um, you know, we are so invested in in how they're doing as a business. And, you know, we're just we care so deeply about our customers. And I think that that comes out in our interactions. Um, you know, it comes out in the quality of our responses and the speed of our responses. And so, you know, we behind the scenes are, we have a team that is really willing to go the extra yard for our customers. We were willing to go the extra yard prior to the pandemic. We are willing to go 10 extra yards for them now at any time. I'm curious with, you know, I imagine that some kind of amping up the empathy uh, last year, and I'm sure that's ongoing, but uh, I imagine that at times felt kind of heavy uh, for your team, kind of being on the front lines, working with customers that are, you know, trying to figure things out um, during COVID. So as a manager, how did you keep your team energized and motivated um, when they're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff? Absolutely. It, it For me, it really boiled down to, I, I think there are times where, where you can dig deep into uh, smaller concepts because they apply to the situation. I think there's a time and a place to really just take a high level. Like we talked about managing change at a high level. And I think during the pandemic, you know, what better way to show your employees that you trust them wholeheartedly than to just remind them that you know that they're doing the best that they can day in and day out. And I know that sounds so simple, but that's one of those phrases that actually doesn't ever get, um, you know, doesn't get old or doesn't get played out. Everybody is trying so hard every day and you have to let them know that you really respect their level of output and you trust that, you know, of course you're looking at metrics for employee performance, but outside of that, I'm trusting that you're, you're leaving it all out on the court every day, basically. And you're, you're getting enough rest to come back tomorrow and we got to tip off again tomorrow. And so just reminding them that they, they are doing the best that they can and, you know, not every you know, not every time you may win, but at the same time, you know, you have to be enough for yourself. And that is one of the things I really use consistently to motivate my employees is, you know, support, support is support. And, you know, some days no one else is going to be there to pat you on the back. No one else is going to be there. They're not going to be looking to tell you, hey, you did a great job today, or, you know, you really managed that customer call well right? It's, it's like, sometimes it's like hitting a half court shot in the gym and nobody's around to see it. And you're like, <laughs> I feel great, but I, yeah. you know, if I tell someone, would it even matter if I told them? And so in those moments, you really have to be enough for yourself. And, and I think that that's a, a really liberating feeling once 
you can actually unlock it is, is really just being enough for yourself. I think support teaches the people who are willing to learn this example. It's a, it's a, it's one of like the golden rules. And, and I found that in my life, I, I am, I am more confident in who I am and the decisions that I make because of my time and support and, and working and supported. I know I need to be enough for myself and I know I'm trying the best that I can. I'm open to, to areas of improvement, but on a consistent basis, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. And I think that people sometimes forget that simple age old adage, if you will. Um, and you know, one of the other things that I, that I tell them that kind of goes hand in hand with this is I, I try to stay away from telling my employees that I'm proud of them. And I think it, it carries gravity in certain situations, but to me, it's far more important for them to be proud of themselves. And so I typically tell them, you know, you should be extremely proud of yourself right now because they don't, they, they shouldn't need my validation. If they do, I'm always here to give it, but I want to condition them to, to be enough for themselves. And, and it's such a simple shift in, in, in a phrase that we use all the time. But at the end of the day, really, who cares if I'm proud of you? It's about whether you're proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that you can, that one of your employees could carry on to a future job too. Like just learning how to take that pride in their work. Yeah, totally. And, and I, I try to remind employees that, you know, look, I'm, I'm watching you from a different lens than you're watching yourself day to day. We're all very self-critical. You know, we sometimes beat, beat ourselves up about mistakes, but I'm, I'm watching from a different level. I'm watching from a different place. I'm not you. Therefore I'm looking at you through a lens that is me. And I try to tell them when it's true that I have just seen such tremendous growth in each of these employees from the moment that they've walked in the door at seven rooms till today, it's, they're different people. The ones that have put their head down and motivated themselves and, and pushed through, they are literally different people. And so it's hard even for myself to, to see that within myself. Um, I think with more experience, you, you get a little bit better at kind of not letting how far you have to go get in the way of how far you've come, so to speak, but reminding those employees that are a little bit more green, Hey, I got to tell you, you're, you're a totally different person than from when you were hired here. And here are all the great ways that I've watched you improve. And in those conversations, it may not be a metric. It might just be different examples at a high level, but being able to effectively communicate that to them really makes a difference. Hmm. So are you generally communicating that feedback in like one-on-ones or how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I would say it's one-on-ones, but I also think you have to, as a manager, leave yourself room for those unexpected opportunities over Slack or, or a quick call just to tell them something special about themselves if they've earned it, right? You don't want to make that one-on-one just that only moment of communication in everybody's day or week or month, whatever it is. And so an unexpected Slack, I mean, think about it when we were you know, going through our career journeys and having a manager just just shoot you a message and say, Hey, just want to let you know that was amazing what you did, or you're doing an amazing job. It's unexpected. And it's something so small, such a small amount of output that can net such good results. And so I try to, you know, use, use that in one-on-ones, but also leave room to just pop in and, and let them know they did a great job on something. And I think that that makes it a little bit easier to also pop in and let them know they can improve on something if you don't want to wait for your one-on-one because you, you don't identify yourself as that person who just drops in when things are going bad and just have something that they can improve on, right? If they're more open to your message popping up and they're not scared of it because you're, you're telling them what a great job they've done, but 
you know, it works both ways. You, you can say to them, hey, just saw this ticket. Just a reminder, this is the process. Not a big deal, but, you know, moving forward. I'm not going to wait until my one-on-one -on -one to do that with you in, in a week or two. That's something that needs to be addressed now. And so I think you leave the door open for both. Okay. So for for anyone in our audience who who's watching or listening, I I'm curious what what are some of the things that you look for to call out to motivate your employees? What are things other leaders could be looking for uh, in their employees' performance to to praise or to call out? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, it, for me, it, of course, metrics are the driving force, but more importantly than the actual metric, it's knowing how to speak to each employee in a way that they will be the most receptive. And I think that that carries you a lot farther than just sitting down and saying, okay, here are the metrics for the last week or two. This is what you've done. Those are black and white and they're not going to change. Either they're doing a good job or they're not doing a good job or they're close. But how you actually deliver those messages is honestly more important because that's about knowing your employee and knowing their learning style, knowing what they're receptive to and what historically has not worked and being able to, to really communicate that. And I think that, you know, in one-on-ones, I try not to make those a place where my team expects to just sit down and go over this report and just, you know, to be nervous or to dread these one-on-ones. And because every week we, we're just going to sit down and, and he's going to tell me if I'm doing a good job or if I'm not doing a good job. I, I, I try to stay away from that. And what I find is that if you're able to motivate at a higher level in that one-on-one -on -one time, you very infrequently actually have to have a conversation where you're bringing up the metrics because they're so much more motivated at a higher level that they're hitting their metrics, right? It's, it's, very, it's a trickle-down effect, I suppose. And, and of course, metrics are very important, but you know the way you communicate them and how you use your one-on-one -on -one time is going to be far more effective in whether they actually hit those metrics or not. Hmm. I, I'm curious, how often do you do one-on-ones? Is that like a weekly thing, bi-weekly? Yeah, so so we do we do biweekly one on ones, and I'm I'm trying out a new format where I where I hold them all on on two days of the week and just see if that leads me to any more insights or light bulbs or action items rather than than spread them out. So um, yeah, we're holding them, but it's a great time to catch up with the employee and and just just see them face to face because that's so important right now and really just understand get a pulse check on what's going on in their work world, what's going on outside of their work world, and you know any project updates and. If we need to talk about metrics, we will, but you know, the team is doing a fantastic job and we rarely sit and talk about those metrics. I ask about the frequency because from what I can tell, with the amount of energy that you're putting into figuring out what to talk to each person about, how to deliver that information, making sure that it's personalized to each team member, I imagine that's a pretty time consuming process. How do you how do you prepare for those one on one so that you can be the best uh, coach that you can be? Yeah, it's a great question. It's actually not as time consuming as you might think in the sense that, you know, you have this journey with another person. It's a special and individual journey with them. But, you know, the deeper the connection in just moment to moment, the more it just becomes a conversation where you're really not outputting any additional energy to try to tailor it to that person. It's kind of just like when you see a, a one friend one night and another friend another night and you just kind of have different approaches because they're different people and you know them so deeply that, it, you know, it's kind of just it's just emotion at that point. Um, so it, it actually isn't as time consuming as, as one might think. It's just about getting in a good groove with, with the employee. And, you know, there's other things 
during the day we have our group chats you know um it's been more important than ever to to convey your personality through through slack or you know through messaging and, and to show that you're available and and everything so there are little moments where if you're looking you can you don't even need to be speaking to the person you can really see what they're about and what they're saying how they're saying it and and, and really dive in but in general it does it requires a lot of emotional energy and it's not it's not like i'm outputting this emotional energy in bursts where it's like 25% here it's just a consistent level of emotional energy output and i would argue that that's that's probably the most important output you're going to give as a manager who runs a team and employees report to you you know you could you could look into the numbers all day you could work on projects all day but if you don't leave room for the the emotional management of your employees you really run a great risk yeah i can see that yeah, for sure. And I kind of segues into my next question. We've, we've talked a lot about like the praising your employees and the positive things and sharing the happy news. But I'm also curious how you as a leader handle like constructive feedback, or if you have to let someone go like the hard stuff. Um, yep. I'm curious how you bring uh, that coaching and teaching background into, into that kind of harder stuff. Yeah. So it's funny, I talk about, you know, metrics being important in certain aspects, this is one of them. The, the, the data is king here. It's very important to provide examples if you can for whatever conversation you're about to have. Even if those examples don't come out in a report or a bar graph, finding examples on pre-recorded calls or tickets or whatever you can do to provide supporting evidence because then it doesn't, it doesn't become so opinionated. It doesn't, doesn't become a, well, I think this is the case, so this is the result. And so if possible, I always, I always encourage managers to bring that data to the table. Um, this is one instance where you're gonna wanna let data drive you forward. With that said, you know I also talk about learning great lessons in, in the world of support. And, and I, would, I would say that there's a lot of lessons between working with a tough customer on the phone or, or trying to deliver them news such as, hey, the product improvement that you're telling us makes a lot of sense, but if I know the product, this is gonna be a while till we implement it and not mismanaging their expectations on that call and, and really stating things that might be tougher, but will net a long-term outcome of full expectation management. So, you know, using those skills and driving with empathy. And I think everything that you do up into up and leading up to those conversations creates this invisible layer of trust that even if you're having these specific conversations with the employee and you don't have any data to back it, they, they hopefully will trust that you've done everything you can to protect from this conversation happening, that this is how it is. And if someone's going to have to deliver the news, it might as well be you, someone who cares deeply about the employee, who knows them in and out, and knows the journey that they've taken. So it's kind of a, you know, there's a couple of different approaches, but, you know, I've, I've used either approach depending on the situation and depending on what supporting evidence I have or what I feel I need in that moment. Okay, cool. Well, I think as much as I would love to like dig in even more on all of this stuff. Um, I think that's probably a good place to kind of start wrapping up, but I do want to ask you one last question. Um, what advice do you have for other up and coming support leaders? Don't let how far you've come get in the way of how far you have to go. So it's really, you know, you have to understand that you've done a great job up to this point to get you to where you need to go. And it probably seems, sometimes very daunting where you do need to go or, or different projects or initiatives. But 
if you can look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and, and tell yourself, I, I am doing the best that I can. I'm open to constructive criticism. I'm pushing the needle as hard as I can. You know, you have to, you have to cut yourself some slack, especially in today's world where we're working at such a feverish pace. All of us, we're trying to push the needle. Customers are expecting more and more and more in the support world from their support teams. And so I think that, you know, data is going to be very important to drive all of your decisions. But at the end of the day, what you've done has gotten you to where you are now. You have to trust the process when it comes to that. And, you know, it can be very daunting to, to see how far you need to go, but don't forget how far you've come. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been great, Matt. Thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom and your experience uh, with me today. I really appreciate your time. Of course. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the conversation and um, thank you so much for having me on. That's all for this episode of Beyond the Q. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Thank you.